0: Hello, Dave. How are you today?
1: I'm good, Kevin. How are you?
0: Uh, hot, hot, hot here in the East Coast. Sweat <laughs> profusely, trying to stay cool. Woo.
1: <laughs> well, I'm inside air conditioning. I don't. I know out there it's brutal, so staying in.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, just came inside a little while ago. We had a little rain shower, but now I'm trying to get inside, stay inside, and get a little cool. So, um, yeah. So that that's where we are with that.
1: We hit an official high of 100 here today.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's brutal. It's it's hot. It's very (laughs) hot. All right. Um, This show is going to
1: be hot, too. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Speaking of hot, our show today on Dan and Kevin Totally 80s Music is our feature artist segment, and we are featuring today um, a man, a musician who... Oh, my goodness. Had a huge impact, Uh, I I would say, throughout his entire career and and the career of others. Um, But really made a a name for himself um, as a solo artist in the 80s. And that would be one Philip David Charles Collins.
1: I never heard of him. Who?
0: I'm sure you did.
1: (laughs) Mr. Phil Collins, huh?
0: Absolutely correct. Yes. Absolutely correct absolutely correct and um as you and i had talked about before um you know most people that i talk to um i I get the sense that phil collins is a kind of love him or hate him type artist you know some people i talk to really love phil collins i love phil collins other people i talk to they're like yeah no pass so i just i don't i don't understand the disparity of of you know the love hate there
1: Let me ask, maybe, I I had one thought about that. Um, You know how sometimes an artist who, of course, we're gonna talk about this, but I wanna give too much away, but if an artist is part of two different things, maybe part of a group and then part of a solo, um, sometimes they feel like the, the true fans say, well, that person's a sellout because they went from this maybe different, even a little bit different style music to this, so I think maybe that maybe a small percentage, at least, of people think that they preferred him in one of his acts rather than in the other one.
0: I, I I would I would agree I would agree with that because the the style of music that Genesis came out with as compared to what he did um, in his solo career were two totally different avenues, and I guess people who were diehard Genesis fans just couldn't buy into his you know excuse me into his solo his solo music. So
1: yeah, the, the more pop oriented that it became. And of course with the invention of, of MTV, how it became so, you know, he was so popular with the videos and everything.
0: Correct. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Correct.
1: Maybe, maybe that's part
0: of it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. So Bill Cox um, uh, has a very interesting career. Not only, not only in the eighties, but you know, prior to, um, prior to the eighties so he was a member of genesis of course and um he really got his he he really got his big break with genesis back in um nineteen seventy four um when he became when he became a member of genesis and started to um started to record with them and then in seventy five uh things really things really took off um for him when peter gabriel um i know you've heard of peter gabriel danny um he left he left the group and then that's when um phil got his big break and actually not only was he the drummer for genesis but he actually became you know became became the lead singer so um yeah again that, you know the 70s um, Genesis, um, you know, prior to him going solo um, in 81, Genesis had some, had, had, they, they had some, some good success um, with the music that they had produced. Um, you know, one of their big breakout albums, it was in, you know, 1978 um, from the, uh, when they became, they decided to become a trio. And their nineteen seventy eight album and then there were three with their big smash hit "Follow you, follow me."
1: oh yeah, beautiful song
0: oh, I love that song very yeah. great very, very good song, very good song so um from from there um around you know nineteen seventy eight um, his mates um, actually kind of went out on their own, did a little did a little of their own own, you know, albums um, for themselves. Uh, They kind of they got back together um, in 1980. Genesis released another album by the title of Duke. And then by 1981, Phil Collins um, came out with his first solo album. And that was Face Value. And Face Value was his, uh, you know, his his first album. And he used a lot of personal experiences, um, especially with his divorce. Um, that's what drove his lyrics and, you know, his themes for the album. Um, you know, in, in one quote that he actually talked about when he came out with the album, that he had a wife, two kids, two dogs. And then the next day he didn't have anything. So, um, you know, he, he, he came out and he, uh, that's, that's what he used <coughs> to, to fuel him uh, when, he, when he created this album. So um, as we had talked about, um, to me the biggest song from Face Value, and again I, I, I know you know you like to talk about Can't Hurry Love um, because again of your fascination with chart position. Wait,
1: but wait wait, Kevin, that song's not from this album. You're jumping ahead here.
0: Am I jumping ahead? Sorry.
1: Yeah, that song is from the next album.
0: Okay, so again, Face Value, one of his, I think, one of his best his best works was in the air tonight. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was talking about that song and in, and I missed again, both of those
0: rather, sorry.
1: Yeah. both of those made it to number 19 on the U S charts. Um, so his first solo outing, you know, you could say he made top 20, um, but he had yet to blow the roof off a thing, which we're going to get to, of course, later with his solo stuff. I wanted to say this too. I, I didn't know this, but I looked it up that, you know, they off they give uh, awards to songs as well, you know, singles. Um, and you're right when you talk about In the Air Tonight compared to I Missed Again. Again, even though they both reached the same position in the United States, um, first of all, In the Air Tonight went number one in many, many countries. Um, I Missed Again didn't get nearly as far with that. But also in the United States, In the Air Tonight, which I'm sure you want to talk to more about it, but it speaks to how amazing that song was not such an impact it made 3 times platinum in the united states that single alone
0: oh that's amazing yeah and you know again uh um being a big miami vice fan that i was back in the day um that was that was that was a huge song phil collins was actually a huge artist that was used multiple times in you know in in different shows um for my you know for miami vice which, I mean, just goes to show, uh, you know, his songwriting and and the music that he, you know, that he produced. But, I mean, in in the air tonight, um, you know, besides Miami Vice, uh, you know, sports teams like to use it at the beginning. It's just that uh, I just get a chill every time that I, you know, that I hear the intro and that when we go into the, when he goes into the drum solo, it's just unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's a very dramatic type of um entry into the song slowly and then it just builds and then when he just cracks it open with that drumming it's one of the most famous like drum parts of a pop song that people know
0: absolutely absolutely so um and and again I, i'm not gonna i, I don't want to discredit um i missed again um a very catchy song good tune uh great beat but uh, hands down i believe that you know in the air tonight was definitely. Definitely the better of the two from that album.
1: There you go. All right.
0: All right. So um, moving ahead in September of 81, he went back with he, he, they got, the boys from Genesis got back together. And in my opinion, probably produced one of the greatest albums of all time, Abacat. So um, they also then did a little they did a tour. Uh, they came out with another live album called Three Sides Live which was fantastic. Um, Collins then in 82, he was, you know, he he was still doing other work for other artists. Um, Yafrida, who you are a huge ABBA fan, he Hmm. played drums on Something Going On.
1: Yes, he did. I love it.
0: Yeah. And then he also performed most of the drum parts for Pictures at 11, which was Robert Plant's uh, Mm -hmm. first solo album. And then in 82, uh, Colin, Phil got together with the other members of Genesis for a little reunion concert, which uh, at the time, I do believe that a lot of people talked about, Hey, you know, is Peter Gabriel coming back? Are we going to have, you know, are we going to, are we going to get Genesis back together again? And um, that didn't, that didn't come to fruition. And I do believe, Danny. There were a few months ago that Genesis actually talked about, you know, another reunion, but nothing really, nothing really had happened. Hmm. Um, I know the the three got the three are actually were were actually before um, all things happened with COVID. Uh, they were actually looking to get back together, together uh, again, and actually do another tour. Wow, it,
1: it's interesting to know too. I would say that you know one of those things where you talk about history and you say what if you know what if uh you know the germans had won the you know that kind of thing well what if peter gabriel had never left and phil collins didn't become the lead singer and it's interesting because if you look at it i'm sure you're well aware more than i am even that the sound that genesis had um you know was a little different peter gabriel's a little bit different kind of artist i consider him more of a He's kind of an oddball in a way. He has a weird kind of presentation, and especially when he went off and became solo, he did some very bizarre, strange things. In addition to some that some of them became popular as well. But but Phil Collins, I think you you can imagine, you know, would Genesis be where it became what it became today if Phil Collins had never risen to the level of being the lead singer of that group?
0: Absolutely, and that's I mean that's a great that's a great question to ponder and 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 again if if you know peter gabriel stuck around would we have would we have had more phil collins solo things or would you know would he have left genesis completely and not created these other albums and then maybe maybe even took off even further with his solo career
1: right But I will say that just trying to guess if Peter Gabriel remained the lead singer all this time that Phil Collins had been it, I don't know if they would have had the same type of success or maybe the same, even the same type of music. It would be, it would be hard to see. I'd be, I guess, curious to know if Peter Gabriel would have like evolved and changed with the times with his group Genesis, or, you know, in some ways it was probably best that he did go off on his own because I think he had his own sort of style that he kind of wanted to go off and do that he might not have been able to do if he stayed with Genesis.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah. A lot of lot of what ifs, but I'm kinda of glad things turned out the way they the way Definitely. they turned out. Definitely. So, all right. Um, so that was the reunion was in October. Um Phil's second solo album, Hello I Must Be Going, was released in November of nineteen eighty two. And again, um some his his marital problems and things um, kind of inspired him uh, continue to inspire his writing uh, on this second solo album
1: yeah I want to say <laughs> I love his album titles because they're they're very cute and catchy like well first one with face value like take me at face value and this one's a little humor and they're like hello I must be going I love it yes. <laughs> so I had to say that
0: <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. Yes.
1: What, what about the songs from this album?
0: Um, go ahead. Let no, me hear, I mean, let me hear what you have to say first.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I mean, there was, you know, here on charts, there were two top forty hits from it. The biggest being you had earlier mentioned it, um, the Supremes remake, right? Yes. Of you can't hurry love, which is interesting because to to you know it takes a little bit of gall to like take a Supremes classic and say, I'm going to redo this. And, and then for it to become a huge top 10 smash is pretty amazing. Right. But then again, Phil Collins with his talent, put his own spin on it. Um,
0: Especially the video. It was an interesting, it was an interesting video that he made for this song.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And it did really well around the world. It was top five in many, many countries and um, it went gold. So it was, it was pretty awesome. Yes. Uh, but there was another song it's more i've heard it as an anthem a little bit where people ha- kind of have attitude and they're kind of over something they sing this song
0: correct I don't care anymore yeah. another uh, another another classic that um could kind of could could rival a little bit um to in the air tonight but with a you know with a different like you said um with with a different attitude and a different you know a different take on things.
1: Definitely. And then there were a few other songs that I, like I say I really enjoy that, you know, did not do extremely well, but um, Don't Let Him Steal Your Heart Away and I Cannot Believe It's True, right? Those two songs.
0: And oh my God, Do Not Let Him Steal Your Heart Away was definitely one that um, we did talk about that. It, it didn't get a lot of airplay. Um, you wouldn't really know about this song unless you actually had the cassette.
1: Definitely, um, and actually, there, I, there's another song too. I thought about it a little more, um, that I recognize. Uh, Why can't It wait till morning? That also was a minor hit in the UK.
0: Yes, correct, right. Uh, one that I actually kind of, kind of, kind of missed, or, or actually kind of looked over. But mm-hmm. um, that, that's absolutely, you know, that that's absolutely correct. Absolutely Ooh. correct.
1: So there you go. Hello, I must be going.
0: <laughs> there, 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 there you go. So from there, um, again, from yeah, you know, from from there, um, he actually was doing, he actually did a couple more things. Um, you know, when he came back, when he came back from his tour of Hello, I must be going, he played drums again on Robert Plant's second solo album, The Principle of Moments. Um, he did some, he, he did two, he played and produced two tracks for Adamant's album, Strip. Uh, and then um, in 83, uh, he got back together with his mates from Genesis and they created, they uh, recorded their self-titled album, Genesis. And um, they actually did some shows when they went on tour and they released um, another set called Genesis Live, The Monitor. So, and, you know, being that was probably one of the biggest hits, another big hit from Genesis from that album.
1: Yeah, um, I saw something that I I don't think I mentioned to you before, but I read about it. It was pretty interesting. Um, I told you I have that that uh, CD set four CD set. Phil Collins plays well with others. Yes. and you're you know, you're going through some of these artists that you just mentioned, like he played with. Um, but do you know, and I w- didn't know this, that he probably his least favorite experience in these other acts that he helped out and played drums with. Uh, he did not have a very good experience with um, Robert Plant the second time around and the guys from Led Zeppelin.
0: Wow, and' that's, that's interesting that you mentioned it because um, that kind of takes that now, that now that you mention it, it's gonna kind of lead me to another story that I had just read about uh, when it came to Live Aid. So you know that Phil Collins played drums with with um, Led Zeppelin when they did when when they had Live Aid.
1: And yeah, I think that's what it's from. I'm sorry, you're right. It's not from when he was doing Rubber Plant solo, but it was when he was with. You're right. Go ahead with the Led Zeppelin crew.
0: So what had happened was is that jimmy page the lead guitarist of led zeppelin was way was way off he was he was way out of tune and 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 off sync and and plant plant just he just he just killed some of the lyrics um you know to their songs um john paul jones who was their organist was never even invited to any of the <laughs> he was never even invited to any of the sessions um oh. before they got together uh, for Live Aid, and after the after the performance, Jimmy Page threw he threw Phil Collins under the bus and blame put the blame on Phil Collins um, for everything that went wrong, uh, mm. you know during during their Live Aid during their Live Aid performance, which Phil said, well, "Guys, uh, you better take a look in the mirror because it was all you that actually kind of." They put, you know, messed, messed all this, messed all this up.
1: Filmed knew what he was doing, that's for sure. It's not like he didn't, but they
0: messed it up. (laughs) Right.
1: Correct. You're going to mention, I I love the fact of Live Aid, um, you know, the sort of the record that he has for what he did during Live Aid, that he's the only artist that in the same day. Yes. Right. Played at two different, he was in Wembley Stadium and then he was in the uh, JFK in Philly in the same day to, to drum for both of those live eight concerts. Amazing.
0: It was amazing. It was amazing. And again, it's, it kind of, you know, like I said earlier, how people could have a love, hate thing for him. It just showed you how, how, how incredibly he was and, and, and his commitment to his craft and music. It's just mind blowing. Yes. Mind blowing. Okay. So, um after their tour in Genesis tour of 1984 um in february of 1984 in the same year after the Genesis the Mama tour had had been released um in february of 1984 Collins releases a title song for a movie called Against All Odds
1: yes take a look at me now
0: take a look at me now and it was another you know another interesting video with like wax rain of him in a suit and a changing colors and like half of his body on one side and half on the other
1: yep and mr chartman what do you know about this one it's a it's a um it's his first number one song in america
0: correct yeah
1: and and canada as well first number one for him in both places
0: and he received a grammy award for best pop vocal performance by mail yeah for that for that song so um can just to continue to roll on in 1984 then he actually helped contribute to the production of an album called Chinese Wall which was the third solo album for Earthwind from Earthwind and Fire vocalist Philip Bailey and those two got together to do a duet called Easy Lover
1: oh that was a fantastic song it's
0: fantastic. Very, a cool very cool song yes and i loved
1: earth i was a huge earthwind and fire fan from my, you know, disco and 70s dance phase and then the R&B. And Philip Bailey has a very distinctive, incredible voice himself.
0: Yes, absolutely correct. I
1: decided to see them together. And um, and that video as well was just so fun.
0: Right. And I do believe that in 85, Easy Lover was number one in the UK.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. In Canada, it, it was when we talked. It was one of the stuck at number two ones in the United States, but yeah, it made it to number one in those in Canada and UK.
0: Okay, um, so at that time, at this time too, with after Easy Lover, he did produce and play drums on some uh, several tracks um, on the album Behind the Sun by Eric Clapton, and that was released in March of '85. And then in November of '85, which was probably one of the most mind blowing performances group of artists that came together was Band-Aid uh to aid the Ethiopian famine relief and he played drums on the single Do They Know It's Christmas and that again was uh that was done in uh Sarmwest Studios in Notting Hill, London, which oh I I'll never forget watching this watching the video and um always looking for the extended version of the song because of you know the different artists talking and uh, just the extra mix of Phil's do 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 do
1: Of course I own it. I have the twelve inch vinyl on that with the extended version that you're talking about.
0: Of course you do. I'm not I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I why am I not why am I not surprised? All right
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I was in love with that song and the and the the, the meaning behind that song and the message um and all those artists together and it was like a lot of what and a lot of the artists that I like new wave artists from that early 80s to mid 80s period that came together and right. I was thrilled, yeah right
0: so um a- an interesting thing that we we know here about Phil Collins is that he actually tried to arrange his touring schedule in 80, 1985 because he thought that he would be appearing at the Academy Awards in case Against All Odds was was nominated for best original song right? so what had happened was is that um, he received a note from the telecast co-producer said that you know uh, you know he sent a note and the telecast producer sent back you know thank you for your note regarding he called he called him Phil Cooper not Phil Collins (laughs) that the spots were already filled so what had happened was is that instead of Collins see, watching or being there to perform the song, he watched actress and dancer um, Anne Ranking perform the song. And critics said that it was just the most absurdly inept rendition of the song. Um, and the Los Angeles Times even went on to say that she did an incredible job of totally destroying a beautiful song. Huh. And and the the... The nicest thing that they said was that uh, that her performance of her performance was that the stage was set nice.
1: Oh God, that's funny.
0: <laughs> and, uh, in when Collins would perform it, he would actually tell the he would actually tell the crowd that he was sorry that Miss Ann Rinking couldn't be here tonight. So I guess I just have to sing my own song. Hmm.
1: I always, when I heard that song at first, I thought it was going to be a duet. So, kind of to me, it it feels like a duet song, it
0: does, it absolutely does.
1: But I'm glad that it wasn't. I'm glad that he did the whole thing himself um, rather than a back and forth with somebody. So,
0: correct, correct. All right, so, um, in February of 1985 came the release of I think probably, which I till this day. Um, I cannot get enough of. And I listen to every song. I have every song of this album downloaded on one of my playlists on Spotify is his release of No Jacket Required.
1: Mm. Yep, this is where it all just exploded with him. He just, well, he took over.
0: (laughs) Correct. Correct. And and again, um, No Jacket Required, number one in both the UK and the United States um some of some of his the well uh, of course the ones that were number one hits one more night studio don't lose my number and take me home
1: yeah um all top 10 hits and again with my chart i was really surprised i my favorite um of, I mean, I love studio, but as far as I guess the slower songs, um, I prefer Take Me Home over One More Night. Really? Yes. I love that song, Take Me Home. And just that, I don't know, it's just something about the whole orchestration of it and the rhythm of it and the feeling I get from that song. And don't get me wrong, One More Night is an incredibly beautiful song, but there's something that that hits me harder when I would take me home. And, you know, as we talk, you say, sometimes it's just a personal thing that, you know, you remember from that time period of something, Correct. And, but it just, Oh God, that song, that's the song that gives me the chills. If I hear, take me home, yeah. it, it, it uplifts me and it's just runs right through me.
0: And like you said, per, from, from personal experience, one more night to me was one of the songs that, of course, I was shot down by women more than a WW two fighter plane in World War two. So, one more night was a song that would always be. It's a breakup song, and she's she's never coming back. And um, here here's here's the song of desperation to try to get her back. And then just take me home was just kind of that a song to me that was when things were down and I needed needed a lift or I need to pick me up. And I mean even to this day. I'll just draw on take me home to make me you know say that hey things will be okay, take me back home to where i you know to where I was, and you know I'll get through what i you know what I need to
1: wow now what you have to speak to Susudio?
0: yes so
1: what's what,
0: what it was funny because i i i never everyone would always wonder you know what what's Susudio you know, what what Susudio was, like where he was coming up with, you know, what's what uh Susudio was it a was it a was it a girl, was it some but from the information that I gathered, susudio was an English term for uh a crush that you had on someone. So you would call they would call them their Susudio. So he took that song and just, you know, put the drums and and got the beat and Susudio, so yeah um just a little little interesting fact on you know how he came up with with the song susudio and of course you know it's it's you listen to the lyrics and now it makes it kind of makes more sense when he's saying that there's a girl the girl she's been on my mind all the time susudio where he doesn't really name the girl but calls her by Susudio the term of being his crush so
1: okay well I'm I'm asking you this too because here's your uh intense wink wink thing (laughs) with uh an upcoming show uh because I did a little research and yeah you're right about it's a song about having a crush on someone when you're young um but I did read that when he was on VH1 Storytellers he said it's an imaginary girl's name and Then he sort of used Susudio as a name to encompass any girl.
0: Wow. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So I took it as what you're saying is true about the, the crush thing and but it but it, it, it does kind of like it's kind of like the generic, you know, replace with the love of your life girl that you have and you know, call her she's a susudio. So that's you know.
0: Got you.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, you know, again, the lot of lot of more a lot of a lot of songs there that never that never made you know never made the charts, but you know who said I would? Only you and I know, um, you know, um, just un- unbelievable. I like I said, my favorite all time. Um, Phil Phil Collins album, um, Long Long Way to Go, uh, and of course uh, this album featured Sting. And, and of course, that was one of the songs. Long way to on, you know, long long way to go. Um, he actually had Peter Gabriel come in and 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 Helen Terry, uh, you know, that va- for backup vocalists. Um, then, you know, not part of that album. He did in that time period also record the song "Separate Lives" with Marilyn Martin. So for the movie White Nights, and we did talk about this song that was. A number one, right. m,
1: duet. Wait, are you? Did you leave no jacket required? Because I wanted to say something.
0: I, I am talking, but I well, I, okay. I threw in separate lives of saying that was separate from no jacket required, but that was mm-hmm. part of his success, you know, back in in eighty five.
1: Right. Right. Okay. No, I I just wanted to say because you're, it kind of goes along with your comment of loving a lot of the other tracks that are on it. Um, but this one, really, because it was such a mega album, I mean, it, it's by far his biggest-selling solo album by many times over. I mean, this is one of those ones that went... It's called... It went diamonds, which it went 12 times platinum in the United States. Amazing. Which is huge. And that's the kind of album that, you, you know, it sells so much, and it's such a perfectly crafted album that you, I don't think mo- a lot of people put it on and just wanted to listen to only the tracks from the radio or from the videos. They were like, this whole thing is a masterpiece.
0: Wow. Uh, wow, Yes. So some interesting things though, regarding the album, No Jacket Required. Um, we talked about it being, you know, so, so immensely, immensely popular, popular and successful, but a lot of, he was criticized for being too commercial. Um, you know for you know for this for this for this album, mm-hmm. and um you know one of the other things um that studio, as we talked about, got a lot of negative attention because it sounded similar to prince's nineteen ninety nine and phil did not Phil did not deny that Phil did not deny that, and are you ready for this? the hook line, which is you know sue sue studio has been named as the most widely disliked element of his career.
1: Huh. <laughs> Interesting. wonder why.
0: Yes. Yes. So well,
1: it's, I could see why. It's a little like, uh, there's a little bit of a silliness to it. Like, And a lot of times repetitive, repeating, nonsensical things in a song don't always go over well. Maybe that's part of that too.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Correct. And um, in 86, No Jacket Required gave Phil Collins the first two of his six Brit Awards, winning British, Best British Male and Best British Album.
1: Wow. Yeah, like I said, it was just around the world. It was just such a blockbuster.
0: Right. Yes. So um, that takes us back to Live Aid that we talked about in 85. Um he, you know, he, he did Wembley Stadium and he did JFK at the same time. Um, he did a fantastic job in London doing Against All Odds. In the air tonight, he played with Sting. And then he traveled on a Concord uh, to perform some solo material. And then he played drums for, for Clapton. And then he played drums with Plant and Jimmy Page for a Led Zeppelin reunion. And, of course, here's some of the things that were said about that. The latter performance was poorly received and later disowned by the band. Page leader said that Collins had not learned his parts for the set. Collins responded that the band weren't very good, that a dribbling page had made him feel uncomfortable and only continued with the set rather than leave the stage in order to avoid negative attention.
1: Ah, That's what I was thinking of earlier too. There you go.
0: Yes. Right. So at this time, now after, you know, his performances as live aid and, and the, the success of um, the the success of No Jacket required um the press really got on Collins and saying that you know hey your your success as a solo artist is making you more popular than Genesis. And you know he he always insisted that um he's not gonna he wasn't going to leave the band. Um you know he he, he was definitely gonna be be around. Um you know he he liked you know, he liked what was going on, but he wasn't going to be the one he, he wasn't he wasn't going to be the one that that was going to leave the band, that if the band did come to if the band did break up, it was going to come. To, it was going to come to mutual terms.
1: Now, are you I, I want to say something before you leave, like the area of 1986. I don't know if you're there yet or not. Not yet. Yeah.
0: No, go ahead.
1: Um I didn't know this until I had this that um CD set that I told you about. And another one of my all-time favorite 80s artists, Howard Jones. Ugh. I didn't know he did he did a a version of No One Is to Blame, the huge Howard Jones song.
0: I didn't know that either. That's, yeah. that's very that's very interesting.
1: Yeah, I just saw it on this and I'm like, oh my god, I have to mention that because he also did work with um Shaka Khan. From her album Destiny, which was right in 86 as well. It wasn't a huge, uh, you know, pop chart kind of song or album. But I, of course, I was a follower of Shaka Khan dance songs. And I love this album because of one of the songs on there. But yeah, I didn't even know he worked with Shaka Khan and Howard Jones in the mid 80s.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I did not know that myself. Wow, there you go. I did not know that. So um, in in October of 85, Collins got back together with Genesis. And they recorded the album Invisible Touch, and um, the title, which was the title track, Invisible Touch, and it did reach number one in the United States, and that was the only Genesis song to ever do so.
1: Yeah.
0: So, they also received the Grammy Award. They're only one, and they were nominated for an MTV Video Music Award Video of the Year in '87 for the single Land of Confusion, and I, oh. I. I definitely remember that one with all the different, with, with all the different uh, puppet caricatures of the world leaders and, you know, things, it was a lot of, a lot of satire going on. I
1: remember Reagan in the bed.
0: Yes. water,
1: the flood. (laughs) Oh, and speaking of long versions, have you ever heard the extended version of Land of Confusion?
0: I have. With the
1: drums? Oh, I love that version too. Correct. Great song. Ugh.
0: Yes. So, oh, and here here we go. 86 is when he released No One Is to Blame.
1: Oh, he's okay.
0: Single by Howard Jones, which actually Phil Collins was on drums, backing vocals, and he did some co-production. Um, yes. And then also in 86, he was one of the drummers and backing vocalists and producers on Eric Clapton's 1986 album, August. Wow. So um, also in 1988, then in 1988, Phil Collins became a film star. So I don't know if you ever remember the British romantic comedy drama crime film called Buster.
1: I remember it. I I was not into it. I've never seen it.
0: Okay. so um, again, the, the film, the film reviews were mixed and there was some controversy over its subject matter. And actually, at the time, Prince Charles and Princess Diana declined, declined the invitation uh, for the premiere because it did—it was—it it was controversial that it actually glorified crime. Yeah. So he did. Although Collins, though, got a favorable review opposite his co-star Julie Julie Walder, Walters. And there were four songs that he contributed. Um to the to the soundtrack. So Groovy Kind of Love, which was originally done by the Mindbenders, was one of those songs, and that was the only single to reach number one in the UK and the US. No. No. Uh, which, we're called, which was called the which was the the original by the Mindbenders, sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, yeah. Yes. So um it also came out with the song Two Hearts, if you remember that song.
1: Right, because that's what I was saying. I know both of those songs were number one in the United States. Okay. For, for Phil Collins, yeah. He
0: co he co wrote the song with Lamont Dozier, and they won. They both won Golden Globe for Best Original Song, and they received an os- Oscar nomination in the same category. And then the other two songs that he and Dozier came up with were "Big Noise" and "Loco" in Acapulco.
1: Well, after since I'm not familiar with the movie. In the soundtrack like when i look at these and i hear these songs to me they they're reminiscent of sort of like like sort of a a 60s or a retro sound like
0: correct yes is that,
1: is that what it was supposed to be the,
0: yes the movie was 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 back in i believe like mid-60s you know mid-60s england and oh, yeah kind of love and and two hearts and yes love oh. groovy and peace and yeah you know
1: Because it brought me back to, in a way, it brought me back to You Can't Hurry Love. It had that, like, older, like, really retro feel to it. And I'm talking retro being when you're in the 80s, what was retro was, like, back to the 60s kind of thing. Correct. Okay. Yes.
0: Interesting. And, again, um, Roger Ebert said that, you know, the role that he played of Buster, it was definitely, he said it was played with surprising effectiveness by Collins even though the, the 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 soundtrack was more successful than the film, hmm. so heading then from uh, eighty eight into eighty nine, um, he actually recorded his fifth album. Um, but before that, he actually he was a guest star uh, for, with the Who on their eight eighty nine tour for two shows, and he performed the songs "Fiddle About" as Uncle Ernie. And Tommy's holiday camp um, from the uh, rock album Tommy. Oh, okay. So then, in, from April to October of '89, Phil Collins released the fifth album, which was But Seriously. Um,
1: <laughs> again, with those titles. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> and,
0: and, and he he took a little turn there because again, this album addressed some social political themes in the lyrics. Mm. Um. The, the the album was released in November of '89, um, had had good success. It was it spent number one in the UK for 15 weeks, and here in the United States for three. Um, it was actually then the UK's best selling album of 1990, and it is actually among the best selling albums in UK chart history. Wow! And it's the second best selling album in Germany.
1: Okay. <laughs> Wow,
0: yes. So um, the 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 big song that came from that one, which was released in October of '89, was "Another Day in Paradise," which talked about um, anti homelessness, and actually David Crosby sang backing vocals in this song. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it was, it was his last number one solo hit in the United States.
0: Correct, and and the saw it did go to number one in the U.S. And that was his final number one single of the 1980s. Yeah. And, and with that song, it was criticized because it became and he, it was linked to allegations of him being a hypocrite, um, you know, because of anti-homelessness and, and the, the amount of money and things that he was making. And when he responded to this, he said, when I drive down the street, I see the same things that everyone else sees. It's a misconception that if you have a lot of money, you're somehow out of touch with reality. Oh. Yeah. And then, of course, some of the other songs um, from that, because since it was released in 1989, um, in 91, Another Day in Paradise, and that won a Grammy Award for Record of the Year. Um, some other songs that they reached top five was Something Happened on the Way to Heaven, Do You Remember, and I Wish It Would Rain Down, and Eric Clapton played guitar on that.
1: And that's my favorite
0: love that. Yes.
1: That's a cool song from that album is I wish it would rain down.
0: Yes. yeah I mean all the the songs that I just just re, just mentioned. Something happened on the way to heaven. Love that song. Great great the horn section and drum. Yes. Uh you know, do you remember a nice soft soft love ballad, and of course, I wish it would rain down. Um, yeah, the deep, deep lyrics on that one about you know, breakup and hurting, and ah, just amazing! Just amazing.
1: Well, I tend to like the like something that's usually the most dramatic a lot of times. So, like, it's interesting if you look at what I said earlier. The for me, the, the most drama in the song, what I felt the drama, um, was um. Take me home, as I said earlier, and then now it's in. I wish it would rain down.
0: Yes. So, you
1: know, we all like what we like, you know.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, um, there was a little Phil Collins history for everyone. Um, you know. But wait, 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 wait.
1: wait. Uh, there's something I want to say that happened in the '80s that it's very important to mention about all right. somebody else he helped.
0: Go go right ahead.
1: Okay. Because in 1989, one of my favorite groups from the 80s, Tears for Fears, came out with their second album, um, Sowing the Seeds.
0: Ah, yes.
1: And I didn't know this either until recently because it's one of my – here's another one of these. It's one of these chilling songs that just goes through me. And it's when my introduction to the the songstress – Alita Adams, and Alita Adams sang Woman in Chains with Tears for Fears in 1989 from that "Sowing the Seeds album. And it's a, such a gorgeous song and it's such a powerful song. And I did not know that he played drums on that. Yes. Wow. 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 <laughs> wow.
0: Yes. Wow. Wow is, you know. And- oh, God.
1: The song already, like, it hits me like a ton of bricks. And then I find out on top of it, maybe that's even behind the scenes, partially, you know, maybe partially what was happening was you have this genius playing the drums to make it even better. So how about it? Wow. I couldn't leave that without, I had to make sure I said that because it was just astounding to me. And um, again, that woman in chainsong, just the first time I heard it, I was like, I, I couldn't move. I was like floored by it. Yes. Ugh about so thank you for letting me say that i had to
0: oh of course (laughs) and you know his his career continued on you know way way through the 90s and and you know in in into you know into 2000 oh yeah you you know um but like i said he was just he was just such a major influence in the '80s. Um, you know, when I was looking at some of this, thing, some of these things, I, I just besides the solo music that he pumped out, and you know, some of the music that he pumped out with with Genesis, just the artists that he worked with, and you know, now you're talking about you know Tears for Fears and, and, and Eric Clapton and, and performing with um, you know the, the Live Aid and everything else. It's just he it was he was just he was just such. Such a huge 80s influence, it was un it was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. There's two things I do I still want to say, I have to say about him too, before we would finish. Um so can I say something? You, I
0: not. Okay.
1: Course. Um I didn't I'm sorry, I'm not gonna in interrupt because I didn't know if you were finished with your thought there or not. Um nope, go ahead. You're uh, good. But there were two things. One thing I thought of earlier that I wanted to make sure I mentioned, and there's a second thing. Uh, the first thing was you know, and it goes along with what you were just saying, in a sense that, that this whole huge popularity that he had with both Genesis and with um, solo. He he was to me anyway, he was kinda like that lovable, down-to-earth, everyday kind of fellow fella, like that was that was doing music and it was pure. He you know, he didn't have the the showiness of some of the eighties, you know, like he, the Madonna's and the Prince, correct, you know, and he didn't have the voice necessary in, in terms of like Whitney Houston, you know, he he just had his own kind of personality that, you know, was kind of lovable, you know, and and people just adored him, and but again, he wasn't real flashy, he wasn't like really, I don't think, extremely, you know, good looking, handsome, and and you know, it wasn't like you know, like a sex symbol kind of artist or anything.
0: Absolutely, I mean, even in some of the videos, like he would wear the he he would wear the V neck, the V neck vest sweater with you know with the with the checkered pattern and and yeah. just a pair of just a pair of khaki pants and shoes and you know, yeah, not, not flat, not flashy at all. And, and, you know, um, even to go a step further with what you're mentioning there, just the humor that he put into, put into his videos, you know, like Mm -hmm. and now that you're mentioning this and it's funny because today, as I was listening to um, one of the, the, uh, the, the, one of the 80 stations, um, you know, don't lose that number. The video is classic of him, like trying to get it choreographed and, and everybody like, putting like pieces of how, how is he going to make this video? And, you know, the guy with, when he's saying, when he, you know, who who's playing the guitar and he's going Daryl Stoma and he's going great, great sandwich. And then, you know, he goes, and then the raise up and the crossbow and shoot you. And yeah, like just, I, I, when I hear that song, don't lose that number. I instantly think of the video and him, like even them making him into the fly, When he like flew around in the video and thing. Oh my God.
1: I had totally forgotten about that. Now that you brought up this video, now it's all coming back to me here.
0: You know, you're at the beach. And then, you know, the the man who was trying to produce the video who was eating the sandwich and he goes, now you're at the beach. And then he's on the beach and there's all the women and he's in the tuxedo and like (laughs) back and forth. And yeah, it was just his videos and again his videos were just simple fun um there there were no there 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 was no like hidden meaning to them or anything like that they were just all about all about like having a good time and even the videos that he did like later with you know with with Genesis from you know Invisible Touch and or um when they did you know We Can't we can't from the album We Can't Dance and um, when he played the preacher in the video of, you know, mm-hmm. been talking to Jesus, it's just uh, he, he would just just like you said, a fun, lovable guy, like not not one that would like a room would drop dead that he would walk in. But he would just fit into the crowd and like somebody that you could see yourself like hanging out with and just having a laugh.
1: Yeah. And he wasn't afraid to poke fun at himself as well. Like kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. And what there's another thing, I had that other thing to say, but this you just made me think of something else when I was say thinking about his um his awards and I had read that like he's only one of three recording artists along with Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson to have sold a hundred over a hundred million records both as being a solo artist and separately as a principal member of a band. Wow, just him, Paul, and Michael Jackson. So that's you know, it speaks to um. Just the height of his his excellence, and the thing that goes along, same. Th- I final thing that I had definitely want to make sure I mentioned was, you know who Ice T is. I'm sure, right?
0: Of course.
1: <laughs> rap. Okay. Well, I I remember. I think I saw a documentary on TV a few years ago about Phil Collins, and I remember this being mentioned. And then when I said I bought this um, plays well with other CD set. It's the final uh, paragraph, the final uh, sentences of. The liner notes, and I I wanted to read this because it's amazing. It says, I was watching TV when I was living in England still, he remembers, and I came across a documentary on Ice-T. This journalist was interviewing him and going through his record collection. He said, my God, what's all this Phil Collins stuff? Ice-T said, don't mess with my Phil, man.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: So even shows like, you know, a guy like Ice-T, especially back then with, you know, kind of rough and the whole, you know, with the police and the rapping and the hip hop. And but he loved his Phil Collins. So he, he just kind of across the board, you know, made inroads. And a lot of people really respected his music musicianship, I'm sure.
0: Absolutely. And I'm sure in the 80s. um, a lot of people that were into music really wanted to become a drummer like Phil Collins, and I think I would think if you were to, um, you know, poll a lot of a lot of drummers of today's music and you know um, where where they got some influences was were rather he would definitely have to be on 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 a lot of lists that you know a lot of drummers said hey it was definitely the work of of Phil Collins that made me made me get into wanting to be a drummer.
1: Right, I, I just read that he did. He was inducted into the Modern Drummer Hall of Fame in 2012, and the Classic Drummer Hall of Fame in 2013.
0: And and you know, again, amazing, amazing work. Um, I, I did not get to see him tour as a solo artist. I did see him once with Genesis, which was was just amazing. And I know um, again before the whole COVID had hit he did go out on tour again um however he he is suffering from some hearing loss and of course from all his drumming um that did take a toll that did take a toll on his hands and wrists that he does suffer a lot from arthritis where mm-hmm. have another drummer come in uh to perform you know perform some of that some of the the famous things that we're used to hearing
1: he also speaking to what you said as a genesis I didn't know, I forgot about this. He he was inducted to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of Genesis.
0: Yes, correct.
1: And let us not forget, we didn't say a lot of this, in addition to all these other uh, attributes and awards and talents that he had, we can't forget how amazing of a songwriter he was. Yes. You know, he was inducted to the Songwriters Hall of Fame as well.
0: <laughs> Which, again, like I said earlier in the show, when I talk to people, how you could hate phil collins is just <laughs> i don't know It just it just it just blows it just blows me away
1: well do you think that maybe, is there a possibility that maybe some of those people was it like kind of hating on him more at the time and don't hate him as much now or do these people just continue to hate him to this day i don't
0: know i well no they they seem to continue, continue you know hate him to this point today and i would think that I I guess because of, you know, maybe maybe the whole Susudio type thing um, you know, ruined it some of the quirk you know, that, that that he did. Um I definitely I think his tie Genesis. Um you know, making the transition of going back and forth between Genesis and Phil Collins, you know, because a, a lot of them, as, which I kind of would have to argue with because a lot of them were like, well, is it Genesis or, just, or is it Phil Collins? You know, Phil Collins did solo stuff that that sounded like it was Genesis. And I'm like, really? What what are you you know, what are you listening to? Well, seriously, what 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 you know, what are you listening to? You know, I where the argument that a lot of people make, which I could kind of agree with to, on the opposite end was, you know, Steve Perry and, and journey when he kind of went on his own, when he recorded the album, like, Oh, Sherry was definitely a journey song. That would be something that I could hear journey rocking out to not, not Steve Perry. And when you listen to it, you say to yourself, this is a journey song, not a, not a Steve, not a, not a Steve Perry solo. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, but I think th- this idea of hate, too, it, it's a little misplaced for some people. They use the word. But, you know, he if – if they don't see the full picture like we're talking about, you could be like, well, I don't care for some of the music that he ended up making once he left Genesis – didn't leave Genesis, but once – the original time he came out with his first solo stuff. But that idea of, like, you know, I can speak to, like, an artist that I adore, like Tepesh Mode, I – absolutely love their 80s stuff and their early 90s stuff but then they switched gears and they sounded a lot different you know they switched gears into what they were going to sound like they went harder and more guitar edge and that's not what i liked about them but you know i'm not going to say like i hate depeche mode now it's just like i liked a certain period of their music and i'll never forget that music and i adore to this day so I don't know why some people can't be like, well, you know, I like early Genesis with Phil Collins, but I don't care for some of his solo stuff. You know, I guess that can happen.
0: Absolutely correct. Yeah. Absolutely correct.
1: But regardless, you can't deny his 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 achievements, his feats, his talents. I mean, it's it's so much there.
0: <laughs> oh, for for sure. For sure. And like I said, it was um I, I when he when he went solo, I I know I have every every one of his cassettes that he ever <laughs> that that he ever made in the '80s and, and, and into the '90s as well. So he was definitely he definitely was and still is a, a huge influence um, on my on my music tastes. And um, you know, again, when I hear those when I hear some of those songs with those those drum intros, I just get whew, I get a chill. Run up my spine, and I'm like, "Oh, oh Phil."
1: <laughs> I hear it. I know what you mean.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. you know, and and again, some of the other songs that we had mentioned off albums that you know weren't chart chart toppers, you know, they have an influence as well. And like you said, um, the, the one of the big ones, you know, "Don't Let Them Steal Your Heart Away" was, um, a- again, one that I listened to a lot growing up, you know, having 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 a crush on a girl who had a you know who kind of passed me over for somebody else. And you just like, all right, well, you know, let's listen to Phil Collins and get, dis- get upset and whatever. But they, you know, it, it, you know, it all worked out and yeah. um, you know, one more night and, and, and again, another classic, a great video, one more night uh, at the bar and, and closing up and then, then the horns and, you know, and I, I think that was another Thing that i really liked about his music is that he included all different types of instruments in yeah. him not even not you know besides his his greatness as a drummer he had great great guitar solos in there he had horns um he you know he, he had a great horn section that 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 went on and and that just you know um just it just it just blew me away and um you know my all-time favorite artist the boss when he incorporated horns into his sound too it just that was another avenue that he took to his music that kind of you know it, it just it blew me totally away
1: yeah sure i i just thought of something too that um i made a connection and i hate it it's it's more negative i hate to be here's my if i have to say one negative thing about phil collins all right um it, it's it's connected to what I featured as my first spotlight artist, which was Cindy Lauper. And in 1998, Phil Collins did his own version of true colors. Yes. I was, I'm going to be honest. I was horrified because I guess to me, like, cause I love Cindy so much and her version of it will always be the, the epitome, the the top notch, you know, song of version that could be done, and I just did not care for his version of it. I realized he did go in a more like a little bit more jazzy kind of, yes, feeling to it. But I was like, if that comes on the radio, I'm like, oh no, Phil, uh-uh, sorry. Cindy's got Cindy's got this one and you know no nothing against you Phil cuz I'm not a Phil hater as we I love his stuff but I was like no I just wish you wouldn't
0: correct and 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 and, and you know what I get it because there are artists that have that do covers of other artists and you are just like nah no don't even go there why why are you why are you ruining the song yeah and
1: it true colors just had such a deep special meaning to me um and i didn't, i didn't talk about this but i'll just briefly say um my my best friend at the time and still my best friend he um he created he was an art major and he he wrote out the lyrics he was in a calligraphy course class and he had to do a project so he decided to do the lyrics of true colors um you know and he did this and it was so interesting was um the beginning of the song for the first letter of the first word of the lyrics of the song, he had it like flowing out from Cindy Lauper's colored hair to create the first letter of the word.
0: Oh my goodness, wow. With,
1: you know, with the colors of her hair for true colors. And then he gave it to me for Christmas, a framed, um, you know, the lyrics written out in calligraphy to true colors. So it has so much special meaning to me, that song and that whole thing that I guess, no matter who, probably who else would have done it, it just wouldn't have... Correct. You know, you know, so that's all. I, but.
0: I, I, like I said, I, I, I do understand that when an, one artist then takes another artist's song and make try to tries to make a cover and maybe changes it, or you just think that they don't have the voice for it. It kind of it kind of leaves a leaves a little bitterness in you. And I and I and I understand that. I get it. Yeah, but it
1: happens sometimes, and other times it doesn't. Just like we said, with um, you can't hurry love. You know. I really enjoyed his version of it.
0: I did too. I thought you know? And and again for and I and I think for the time period it it fit, you know, for yeah. for the for the time period of when he released it in the in, in the in the 80s, it was the you know, that was the sound, that was the tune. When yeah. you go back and listen to the original, you're like, okay, I get it. You know, it's here's the, their version was more fitted for the time of the 60s and then when he did it you know he put it into his own you know upbeat and and 80s and peppy and you know yeah and
1: that was and you're right that's a couple decades later whereas the original true colors from cindy was 86 this is this is only like 13 uh, 12 years later it's not that much later and he's doing a version of it so it, there wasn't a lot of time in between it either.
0: correct and you know that that was a, that was probably you know a song by Cindy that actually has withstood the, the the test of time. That that when you hear when somebody says True Colors, that's the first person that comes to your head. It better be. <laughs> oh hey, oh. Because
1: <laughs> I fear if you say Phil Collins, that you ain't no friend of mine. If somebody tells me, oh, what's your first artist you think of the song True Colors, and they say, oh, Phil Collins, I'd be like. But there's the door. Bye-bye.
0: Secretly, folks, I wrote Phil Collins down as I was telling oh. you, Danny. I can't see what I'm doing right now. So I'm no I'm kidding. Oh my god. Uh,
1: Kevin, don't lose my number, okay?
0: Uh, my friend, my colleague, come on. Kevin,
1: don't lose my number.
0: Oh, great, right. great sandwich. Um.
1: I think you missed again oh, on that.
0: No, one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. All right, this is getting silly, but I'm sorry. That's <laughs>
0: okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We're allowed to. It's our show, for God's sake. I know, right? Yes. But, but you'll
1: be in my heart. Don't worry. Ah, uh, I get it. Uh
0: huh. Anyway, um, come on, Dan. Just give me one more night. Anyway. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So, well,
1: you know, we do have to we do have to hear both sides of the story in order to know.
0: You're right. Ah. Ah, there is both sides of the story.
1: That's but a great I love even that. Though,
0: even though there's both sides of the story, I don't care anymore. So, oh. oh. Anyway. Um, yeah, so again, um that was that's our show for this evening.
1: Uh, <laughs> Let's end it with that, yes. Yes,
0: exactly. That's our show for this evening regarding our our spotlight artist, Phil Collins. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, I hope you're enjoying our podcasts. Um, our next show, um, Dan, you want to give them a little taste for what we're doing uh, for for our next show, so that we could kind of wet the whistle and get get the audience a little bit excited.
1: You want me to give them a little bit here?
0: Go ahead, give a little bit
1: about what we're doing, so they. Okay, well, kind of a first for us. Uh, As far as a little bit of change in the the methodology, we're going to, well, the topic we're going to deal with are all the top 40 1980s songs that have a woman's name in the title of the song, but this time we decided to make it a little more interesting, and we are going to, given that list of what these songs are, we're each going to do um, our own ranking of those songs, personal ranking, and not know what those rankings are until we come together and share it with uh, each other. And with you, the listeners out there during that podcast.
0: And and when you gave me the list, I was just, Oh man, this is tough. (laughs) Real tough. So it's, it's definitely going to be, it's going to be an interesting show and and I can't wait till we compare our, our list.
1: Me too. Can't wait.
0: Yes. Going to be a fun show. I'm looking forward to, uh, Looking forward to doing it.
1: Yes, me too.
0: So, again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to um, Dan and Kevin Totally 80s Music. Um, I hope we enjoyed – I hope you enjoyed our show tonight um, featuring the one, the only, Bill Collins, um, who did a better version of True Colors. Oh, did I say that? No.
1: Oh, you are lying. That's why.
0: (laughs) So, um, Dan, I – Thanks again for uh, all your great information that you you add here. And um, hey, have a have a wonderful Sunday, and uh, I look forward to our next podcast. Me too. You take care. All right, take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning well, in. See, ya. see you. All right. Bye bye. Bye.